You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. And welcome inside to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today, we have Atlanta Braves physical therapist, Johnny Passarelli. Johnny, welcome in. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, Johnny, kind of tell uh, the people a little bit more about yourself, where you grew up, and what got you into physical therapy. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> I grew up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, town between Milwaukee and Chicago, so a lot of sports, a lot of everything around. It was a great place to grow up in. Uh, started, you know, baseball was my main sport ever since I was little, um, but obviously played everything. Was okay at football, terrible at basketball, but tried everything. Um, kind of somewhat cliche, you know, um, was a left-handed pitcher, was pretty good, so I threw a lot. Uh, by like 13 years old, had some elbow pain and, you know, rehab. Was able to play all the way up to the college level in and out of rehab. So um, that's kind of what got me into the physical therapy. Started out um, athletic training. And then um, I was working with, uh, uh, working in the training room. And uh, the trainer said, you know, if you continue to play baseball, it'll be really hard for you to get the hours you need for athletic training. So that's when I kind of started looking into, you know, maybe I can do physical therapy. And then that was even, uh, and I looked at Marquette, which was close to home in Milwaukee. And that was, you know, a decision where I either had to continue playing uh, baseball or give up baseball and head to Marquette and uh, start PT. So I chose to, I knew I wasn't going to get drafted or anything like that. So I thought I better think about a career and uh, transferred into Marquette, started the PT program there and, you know, graduated, uh, started working in an outpatient uh, physical therapy clinic, did that for uh, like 18 years. Um, and that's when I decided to uh, work in baseball. Um, prior to that in my private practice, I was fortunate enough to kind of um, get my own practice, so to speak. So obviously sports was always very close to me and dear to me, and I always wanted to do that. So I was lucky enough to align uh, referral sources, um, sports medicine doctor, orthopedic, uh, one in particular, Dr. Rosh, who's the team doctor for the Brewers uh, in Milwaukee. Uh, established a relationship with him, uh, Bryant Walrod, who is a sports medicine doctor, local in Kenosha, aligned myself with him. And then uh, uh, Kenny Wilka, who was a trainer at the uh, University of Parkside. Uh, so those three guys kind of um, helped build my sports background, working with all sorts of athletes, uh, worked in the training room at Parkside for five years. Um, and that's kind of where, where it all started. Gotcha. And so you said growing up, baseball was kind of your forte. 
Um, so is that one of the, like the main driving reasons that you wanted to work with baseball athletes in particular, rather than just working with all athletes? Yeah. Yeah. You know, baseball is always, you know, a passion of mine. And um, I always thought it'd be so great to have an office at the baseball field. And uh, <laughs> I was lucky enough to, uh, to get that now. Right. And so, you know, as you're working or as throughout your years and you've been working with multiple different sports types of clinicians, whether it be physicians or surgeons, um, and you've been probably around a lot of great sports physical therapists, what are some characteristics that you think make a good sports PT? Uh, I would have to say uh, listening and communication are the two biggest, um, I think, characteristics needed by a sports therapist especially if you don't specialize in one sport. Uh, for example, you know, I, I was at, in the Upper Extremity Fellowship at Ohio State. Uh, it was a big focus on baseball, but during the, the clinical aspect, I've seen professional bull riders, tennis players, volleyball, swimmers, saw all types. Now, you know, I don't know anything about bull riding. I don't know any, much about tennis. So, you know, having to the wherewithal to listen to the athletes describe their sport and how they train and what they need, what's required, uh, allowed me to rehab and get them back and develop their programs that, that's needed. Uh, the communication aspect is, you know, you need to communicate with the athletes, you know, depending on the level, their parents, the doctors, the athletic trainers, strength coaches, all pretty vital aspects in an athlete's you know world and i think it's imperative that in order to be successful you need to be able to communicate with them right um and so you mentioned that you completed the ohio state upper extremity fellowship uh so obviously you went and did further learning but what are some other things that you did to kind of like work on or improve some like higher level sports rehab techniques because you know in pt school you come out and you know how to kind of rehab everyone generally. But when you're working with somebody that needs to get back to throwing 100 miles an hour, how did you kind of work on finding things that will help get that person back to such a high level activity? I think the first thing I think is pretty obvious is, is seeking out, you know, continuing education courses. Um, you know, ASMI puts out a good one. Uh, the guys in New York put out a, a great one. Um, so I, I think starting there and, and, and going to the classes to kind of learn the nuts and bolts of, say, baseball in specific. Um, the, the, the second part is um, creating, finding and taking advantage of all the opportunities you can, uh, either volunteering or shadowing or getting a job in the specific sport you want to be in. Uh, and gain experience that way. Uh, and, and lastly, I think it's networking, um, you know, like LinkedIn, the way we kind of, you know, met. Uh, I think just reaching out to professionals in the sport that you want to get into and just talk to them and, and ask them questions and, and what did they do. Um, so I think those are the big ones. And then uh, lastly, obviously, you know, as a physical therapist, you know, um, building your toolbox, you know, skilled to all different skill sets, you know, dry needling, manual therapy skills, uh, PRI, 
all the different things that, you know, well, FMS is another one, all those different skills that, that'll help, you know, uh, get an athlete better in the training room. Okay, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to go a little bit more into kind of where you're at now and your situation with the Braves. Kind of tell us about how you kind of, um, how your job with the Braves kind of came about and what your role is now. <clears throat> yeah, so the the way it came about, it was, you know, I, I, I just wrapped up a fellowship last, last August. Um, it was quite the experience, you know, with a, with a COVID year, but we, we made do, um, and it was just, uh, uh, networking. Um, the Braves were looking for a therapist. They reached out to my mentors and, you know, we, we got together, talked and, and both of us felt it was a good fit. And, uh, I was fortunate enough to be chosen out of, out of the pool of, of therapists and, um, started with them this, this year. Um, so I'm down at their spring training complex. I'm the minor league physical therapist in charge of all of the minor league rehabs, any long-term rehabs on where, you know, the, the major league, the 40 man roster guys might come down for an extended period of time. Um, and I'm just in charge, you know, of all the rehab aspect of everything. Okay. Awesome. So a little bit more about that. So you guys, obviously the major league team just won the world series, but for you as the minor league coordinator, how does your like, role or I guess your day-to-day differ from when you're in season versus out of season? In season is um, longer and much more hectic. Um, You know, we start to, we have a lot more players there uh, in season, obviously. Um, And basically the day is structured and based around the the day's activities and uh, the game time. so we'll get the schedule, uh, get the guys in. Uh, I'll help out with the activations because there's two other, there's the uh, medical coordinator and the assistant medical coordinator that work alongside with me. And so the, between the three of us, you know, we're getting all the guys ready for, for the day's activities, whether it's a baseball workout, just a workout day, or they have a game, you know, whatever it may be, we're getting them ready. Then the rehab guys come in. And then, you know, we do the rehabs, break for lunch, and then we'll take care of them. Uh, the second half of the day, game wraps up or practices wrap up, and we'll do the, uh, uh, the arm care stuff and all the other things that they need after the day's done. Kind of wrap up with our uh, documentation, any meetings that, you know, might have to meet and kind of catch up on what happened with certain guys, what happened at the affiliates, you know, things like that. Um, I was – you know, start of the day as well. You know, we basically kind of have a huddle every morning, talk about what happened, like maybe at the affiliates at night, if somebody got hurt, who might be coming in, who might be ready to leave, things like that. So that's pretty much a day in season. Off season, it's a little quieter. Most of the guys are going home. We might have like extended um, rehab guys. Uh, For example, right now we have four Tommy Johns, so they're down at the complex. We're rehabbing those guys. Um, we have some camps going on periodically throughout the off season, kind of helping out with that. But the day is a little bit shorter. You know, not as many people are there. So it, it's pretty 
pretty much a little bit, you know, uh, calmer, I guess, than, than in, in season. So, um, that, that's, the, that's the difference. You know, we use the off season too to, to have meetings to kind of catch up on the con ed things, you know, things like that. So when you are having those like larger sports medicine team huddles where you're kind of talking about like who's going up, who's going down, where everyone's progress is, uh, let's say somebody's coming and getting or, you know, is recently injured. How do you guys kind of delineate who goes and works with the athletic trainers versus who works with the physical therapists? Or does they, or is there like a clear delineation? Because I know every organization does it a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, every organization does it a little bit differently. Uh, this year with us, uh, we basically worked as one unit, um, and we each had our designated, I guess, um, things to do with with everybody. So we all had a hand in like the rehabs, whether it was acute or chronic or post-surgery. Um, we all took part in it, in it together and did everything pretty much, you know, together. So if the rehab guys were, <clears throat> would come in, um, you know, two of us would, would stay in the training room and do the rehabs while one guy went out to watch the, you know, the, the rehab guys throwing or hitting or covering a field or something like that. And we, so we essentially worked that way. Um, I did the rehab programming for all the rehab guys uh, and the medical coordinators did the return to return to sport programming. So we kind of divided and conquered kind of thing. And that's how we did it. Gotcha. Because like I said, every organization structures are a little bit differently. So it's, it's interesting to hear how you guys kind of went about, you know, dividing up athletes based on, you know, uh, where, where they are in their, their, uh, rehab process. So I wanted to go a little bit more, I guess, back to last year and talk a little bit more about your, um, your experience with the Ohio state upper extremity fellowship. What made you, you know, we talked about a little bit that you wanted to kind of learn a little bit more, but what made you want to go back to Ohio states and do their fellowship in particular? Yeah. So it, it was a, interesting uh road to 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 where i got to uh like i said before i i've been a therapist since 98 and uh, i was in private practice for 18 years prior to um so after i decided that you know i uh, like to get out of the private practice realm outpatient ortho and into the baseball world um i interviewed with uh and, and applied to every single PT job that was open for, for, um, pro baseball. And, um, obviously it didn't pan out. <laughs> I was fortunate enough though, to, um, be interviewed by a few guys that, uh, I reached out after I didn't get the position and said, Hey, what, what can I do to succeed, you know, in the future? And, you know, a couple of guys responded back and said, you know, uh, the big thing is getting experience you know, have an experience. So I was at, at a crossroads. All right. I'm <clears throat> out 18 years. I have a family. How do I get experience, you know, in pro baseball without getting a job, you know, pretty hard to have a family and, and, uh, and, uh, go for a spring training, um, unpaid and volunteer. So, so I had to, had to figure out, you know, creatively, what can I do? 
that's where the upper extremity fellowship at Ohio state came to fruition. And I thought, okay, I looked into that and thought, I think this could work. I think I can make it happen. And so started, uh, reaching out to the different past fellows, um, other guys that were PTs in baseball and just started really networking and picking out just kind of like you asked me, you know, what are the characteristics? What do they do? You know, how can I be successful? How did you guys get there? What was your path? And applied to the fellowship and got it on the second try. So it, it took two tries to get there. Um, so, um, I did it and, um, you know, it was great. Um, I was, you know, not the typical fellow, you know, because of the, uh, one, the age <laughs> and how long I've been out, you know, um, most of the guys are either, you know, the fellow before me had just graduated, went through residency and right directly into fellowship, you know, so, um, usually in a lot different situation than I was in. Um, but, um, it was a great experience. Um, it, it was, you know, uh, learned, uh, learned a lot and, uh, it was great working with those guys. And I think your story is, is actually like a really good, I think can be something that's comforting to people that, you know, if you don't get the position the first time you applied, didn't get in and then, you know, applied to fellowship, didn't get in and eventually got it. And then are now working in a spot like, you know, things don't always come immediately. And I think that's a comforting message to a lot of people that, you know, if it doesn't come around the first time, that doesn't mean it's the end of the world. And that those opportunities will never come open again. That like persistence is one of the keys to making sure that you achieve what you want to um, achieve in this, in this life, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then that's what I kind of mean, obviously it was, it was disappointing. You know, I had it all planned out that if I got it, it would, you know, work out really well. Um, but yeah, I had to, you know, reach out and, and get the correct, corrective criticism and, and, you know, kind of realize that, all right, you know, if I want to do it again, I may never have the opportunity to, to, to do it again. So, you know, it was, for me, it was, uh, one more, like, I'm going to try this time. And if I don't, you know, I can't do it, you know, I gotta move on, you know? So, um, yeah, (laughs) I got lucky. A little bit more about like your time in the fellowship. So obviously like experience is one of the main things that you were looking for when you were doing that. But what are some other things that you learn along the way that you kind of use every day or like any experiences or training that you got that you use every day now in your job as a therapist, you know, in pro baseball? You know, one of the things is, you know, um, being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Um, I think that's one thing why it took me so long to reach out and, and, and go after my goal of being a professional, uh, you know, working in professional sports. Uh, I was always afraid of failure and, you know, was, I guess, you know, complacent and, and didn't want to pursue anything uh, for that fear. Uh, the fellowship got that out of me. Um, when I got there, the first thing they said is, what do you want to get out of the fellowship? You know, besides the obvious of getting a job in pro ball. And for me, it was, you know, to be comfortable giving lectures and, and public speaking. So, you know, that's what they did. And we, 
I did it often during the didactic. Um, we lectured to the um, PT students, lectured to the, uh, the residents, you know, and it forced me to, um, you know, get comfortable. Uh, and with that, I learned a great deal, you know, preparing for the, for the lectures, um, getting the PowerPoints together, you know, all the research, things that I, I wasn't that great at. Uh, I got better at, and that just helped me to be a better therapist. Um, you know, the, the, the clinical aspect was great too, you know, seeing the, the different, uh, therapists doing other things a different way. You know, I was in private practice. Um, and one of the things, I guess, if I had to critique private practice is sometimes, you know, you might be the only therapist in the clinic. So you really don't have anybody to, you know, say, hey, man, I'm having trouble, you know, getting this person, getting his extension in his elbow, you know, can can offer some advice or anything, you know, just something like that. Um, so having that during the fellowship, you know, we had three mentors there that, you know, one would ask the question, why? Why are you doing this? You know, what's your rationale? And then also me being able to ask, like, hey, I'm having trouble with this and work through it with them. So I think those, for me, those were the biggest things, the takeaways out of the fellowship. And I love that your your biggest takeaway was not even, you know, I mean, obviously the clinical stuff was, was probably, you know, spectacular, but the fact that it forced you to kind of grow as just a person and kind of be, like you said, comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And I think that's something we should all, you know, take, take into our, take into our own lives and learn how to grow from those situations that we don't like to be in. Mm -hmm. All right. So I got one more clinical question for you. Um, so as you're, so you said you have a, a couple of patients with, uh, you know, Tommy John's surgeries going on right now, when it's time for them to return to sport, uh, where do you delineate the line or where, how do you kind of transition them from like end phase rehab into like sport specific training? Um, this is a question I ask like a lot of the PTs on here, just because um, I feel like it's a fuzzy line that's not really clear, but how do you kind of incorporate sports-specific training to that end phase of rehab? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question because it, it is a gray area. And, um, you know, going from uh, upper extremity to lower extremity, you know, there's a ton of research on return to sport criteria for, say, an ACL. But a Tommy John, you know, there's not a lot of research out there. Like you're not going to find a lot of protocols of like, if you do X, Y, Z, then you can return. Whereas with ACL, there's a lot of different um, <clears throat> protocols that will say, okay, if they, they check this box, this box, and this box, then they can return. Um, so that's something that, you know, I've been working on uh, since the fellowship and continue with that is finding what, how do we, they get done with Tommy John. One, it's time-based, right? You know, six months is kind of the time period that has been globally accepted of when they can start throwing. Um, but what else is there? And I like to use checkpoints and, and milestones that they reach throughout the rehab process. And then uh, also try to just incorporate some other tests uh, to do, you know, a plyometric program. Um, can they do that successfully? Uh, I'll look at their uh, 
close kinetic uh, upper extremity test. Um, and just to kind of put some objective tests behind the rationale of, okay, they're ready to start throwing, they're ready to return to sport. And I, I use that example with Tommy John, but I kind of do that with everything. So if it was a hamstring, you know, the same thing, they would have to do X, Y, Z in order to return. So I try to make it a little more objective and sharpen up that gray area a little bit. Um, may not be the best thing. I'm not sure, but it's something and it's something to continue to kind of seek out and, and research on what, how can we turn a gray area to a black and white area, if that's even possible, <laughs> you know, but that's what I like to use. Yeah. And I think a gray area kind of defines physical therapy as a, as a profession and as a whole. But I think that using objective measures is the safest way and the most, I guess, like fail-proof way us as physical therapists can kind of help someone return to safely. It's like we did everything and we searched far and wide to make sure that they were safe to return. And, you know, under the best research and best resources that we have, this is the best that we can do to make sure that they can return to play safely. Mm -hmm. All right. So, as you've only been working for the Braves for about a year now, um, do you have any favorite memories or favorite experiences working for them? Obviously, the World Series is probably a pretty big deal, but is there any other things that stood out, whether it be in the training room or any other games that stood out to you? I tell you, everything went by pretty fast. Um, but I, I got to state the obvious. The World Series was amazing. <laughs> you know, I would also, I, I you know, <laughs> that's a great question because, <laughs> you know, everything's been pretty good, uh, but nothing really stands out that I can think of. Never thought I would ever go to a World Series game. Yeah, and that, that totally makes sense. Winning a World Series. I'm a Cubs fan, so, you know, that kind of – that World Series is very elusive, and, uh, you know, there's nothing that I don't think really beats that. So, All right, I got one more question for you, Johnny, and then we'll get you out of here. Um, do you have any advice for anybody that wants to be in your position or wants to be a sports BT at any level, whether it's outpatient or, you know, in collegiate sports, uh, professional sports, you know, and wherever they're at in their PT journey, whether they're an undergrad or in PT school? Yeah, I, I, I would have to say uh, is don't keep don't be complacent, you know, always strive to learn and go after go after your passion uh, and find a way. Um, I think that, that that's the advice that I, I would give somebody, um, whether they want to do, you know, acute care or sports or whatever it may be, um, find that niche and then um, go after it and, and find that path. Um, I think that, I think that's the, that's the advice I would, I would give somebody is and, and and sometimes it takes longer you know obviously it took me a lot longer than than some other people you know to finally find that so um that's what i would give yeah and i think i think your story kind of li lines up perfectly with that advice like you had a pretty unconventional path compared to others um but i think it's a great example of you know no matter how no matter what it is if you want it bad enough you're going to find a way to kind of get to that well, Johnny, thank you for being such an awesome guest and for sharing your experiences. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to plug or anything that you would like to share with anybody else that's listening? No, uh, I really don't have anything 
to plug or anything like that. Uh, I just want to say I appreciate it. It, is, it was great. It was a lot of fun to talk to you. And uh, best of luck to you. Thanks, Johnny. All right. And this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Another huge shout out to Johnny Passarelli of the Atlanta Braves for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you liked today's episode or want to hear more episodes from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.